0: And now we are going to read the gospel lesson. It's from Matthew chapter 10, beginning at verse 24, and I'm going to be reading it from the Message Translation. A student doesn't get a better desk than her teacher. A laborer doesn't make more money than his boss. Be content, pleased even, when you, my students, my harvest hands, Get the same treatment I get. If they call me the master dung face, what can the workers expect? Don't be intimidated. Eventually, everything is going to be out in the open, and everyone will know how things really are. So don't hesitate to go public now. Don't be bluffed into silence by the threats of bullies. There's nothing they can do to your soul, your core being. Save your fear for God, who holds your entire life, body, and soul in His hands. What's the price of a pet canary? Some loose change, right? And God cares what happens to it even more than you do. He pays even greater attention to you, down to the last detail, even numbering the hairs on your head. So don't be intimidated by all this bully talk. You're worth more than a million canaries. Stand up for me against world opinion and I'll stand up for you before my Father in heaven. If you turn tail and run, do you think I'll cover for you? Don't think I've come to make life cozy. I've come to cut, make a sharp knife cut between son and father, daughter and mother, bride and mother-in-law, cut through these cozy domestic arrangements and free you for God. Well-meaning family members can be your worst enemies. If you prefer father or mother over me, you don't deserve me. If you prefer son or daughter over me, you don't deserve me. If you don't go all the way with me through thick and thin, you don't deserve me. If your first concern is to look after yourself, you'll never find yourself. But if you forget about yourself and look to me, you'll find both yourself and me. The Gospel of our Lord. Have you heard of hygge? Hygge is a Danish word translated as cozy. It was among the finalists for the 2016 Word of the Year. It's a Danish term defined as a quality of coziness and comfortable conviviality that engenders a feeling of contentment or well-being. Pronounced "huga," the word is said to have no direct translation to the English, though cozy comes close. It derives from a 16th century Norwegian term. It means to comfort or to console, which is related to the English word hug. And it's associated with relaxation, indulgence, and gratitude. Huga has long been considered a part of the Danish national character. So if you're Danish, way to go. So taking pleasure in the presence of gentle, soothing things, like a freshly brewed cup of coffee and cashmere socks, really describes huga. I wonder what gives you that huga feeling. Perhaps it's sitting around a campfire and roasting marshmallows, or just settling into a chair and reading a good book. Or maybe it's snuggling with a newborn. I'm having these grandma vibes. Sometimes reading scripture can be like that. It can be very comforting and we can just settle in and get real cozy, like a warm fire or cuddling up under your weighted blanket. It just feels good. And all is well with the world and your soul. And then, there are scriptures that you read and to be perfectly honest, you would rather just skip over. And for me, today's gospel is more like the latter. Far from being comforting, It seems more confrontational. And instead of inviting a cozy feeling, the message translation actually says, don't think I've come to make life cozy. I've come to cut, to make a sharp knife cut, to cut those cozy domestic agreements and free you for God. In other words, don't get too comfortable or too cozy. Buckle up. You're in for a ride if you follow me. So as someone who really hates conflict and would rather try to promote peace or make nice, this passage in Matthew is one that I've been wrestling with and will probably continue to wrestle with, no doubt. And I think it's kind of God's sense of humor that I ended up of all the Sundays to get the privilege of preaching this Sunday. Being the youngest of five children, Growing up in a preacher's family, we were all taught how to be nice and not make waves. So when my more courageous sister pushed the limits or spoke out, I learned to keep quiet or I tried to distract to break the tension. And I attempted to restore the family peace. But I think that came at a cost of keeping secrets and not being able to talk about hard things in my family of origin. Well, perhaps you can relate, or maybe you had a completely different experience growing up. Maybe you had more healthy conversations, even if it meant sharing conflicting viewpoints. In our culture today, it seems harder and harder to have open conversations about differing viewpoints without alienating or cutting off ties. We're divided in so many ways, both socially and politically. And every day there seems to be some news story that highlights this division in our country over just a variety of issues. So today's gospel lesson seems kind of familiar. How do we hear these words of Jesus today? Is it possible to hear both Jesus saying, Peace be with you, and I come not to bring peace, but a sword? How do we reconcile Jesus, the giver of peace, with Jesus, the one who wields a sword? Taking a deeper dive into the context to which Jesus' words are spoken might give us some clues. This is a continuation of the missionary discourse in Matthew that we heard in last week's gospel, where Jesus starts out by saying, I am sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. So be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. I think this sets up the expectation that following Jesus is not going to be a cakewalk. It will not be easy by any means. In fact, There will be trouble, there will be pushback, trial, tribulation. Jesus was preparing his disciples for what they would encounter along the way and how they could expect to be treated, the same treatment that Jesus received. So he encourages his followers, be content, pleased even, when you, my students, my harvest hands get the same treatment that I get. Jesus' message of radical, inclusive love, and his undiscriminating grace, his healing of all people and miracles on the wrong day, were not well received in some circles. So, as a follower of Jesus, they, and we, can expect the same kind of treatment. To a first-century Christian, following the way of Jesus and standing up for one's faith led to real consequences, which could even include losing one's life. Many followers were thrown out of their synagogues, outcast in their communities, and disowned by their families. The sword of the truth Jesus taught often cut off family members from each other. To quote Michael Joseph Brown who wrote True to Our Native Land, the idea that family members would turn on each other says something quite radical. In the first century, one's family deserved paramount loyalty and total attachment to turn against one's family was something almost unthinkable. Commitment will bring conflict. So if you and I were living at that time, we might hear Jesus' words as, I have come to separate you from your security your 401k, because family was everything. So how do we hear these words today? Don't let anything get in the way or prohibit you from following Jesus, following the way of radical love and truth. What might get in the way? What needs to be severed? Our security, our comfort, our privilege. Don't get too cozy. You know, I've been wondering myself about how seeking my own comfort might hinder my discipleship or following Jesus. And are we as a church in danger of getting too comfortable or cozy and keeping the status quo and not rocking the boat? Are we more concerned with our own survival as a church institution rather than following this Jesus, whose message may cause conflict and get us in trouble. We are reminded that Jesus is speaking to those who are already in the fray, sheep in the midst of wolves, facing an empire that's hostile to their message. So it's hard for us to imagine ourselves in the same way. There's an enormous gap between the early Christian community and how the church has evolved today. This past week, you may have heard on the news about the recent decisions that were made in the Southern Baptist Convention just this last week. The contention was over women being pastors or head pastors in churches. Women are allowed to teach children or be missionaries, but not to lead as pastors of their congregations. Five churches were expelled, and two appealed that decision, but the vote came down to sever ties with those churches that allowed women to be pastors, thus confirming that in the Southern Baptist churches, women were not allowed to be ordained and serve as pastors. A friend of mine who grew up as a Southern Baptist shared her story about her need to sever ties with a church community who nurtured her and brought her up in the faith, that taught her to love Jesus, and yet were unwilling to recognize her calling as a pastor. She shared that as she stepped out of her comfort zone and challenged those ideas, she decided to be true to the call that she felt by God, and she left to go to seminary She's now an ordained priest living at her call in the Episcopal Church, and her ministry has personally meant so much to me. I'm so glad that she followed her call. So for her, this passage it's very close to home. In order to call, honor her call to follow Jesus, she had to cut ties with her church family. Don't let anything or anyone get in the way of following the way, the truth. And the life. I want to recognize that there are many of you who are listening to this who I know have experienced hardship and painful severing of relationships because you have spoken up when you see injustice. And by following the way of Jesus' inclusive love, you've received pushback. Well, I want you to know that you are in good company. On this wall, we have a picture of the company of saints, those who have gone before, who have been fellow travelers and troublemakers. Among them, the disciples, including Peter, Mary Magdalene, the Apostle Paul, and modern day saints too, like Dietrich Bonhoeffer, Martin Luther King Jr., Mother Teresa, and many who got into good trouble as Congressman John Lewis was famous for saying, for the sake of the gospel. Those who follow Jesus, who himself got into good trouble with his way of radical love. As one commentator asked the question, if we are not facing struggle, are we doing Christianity right? The gospel message is one that challenges status quo, comfort, and established power. When preaching the gospel of Jesus, there's going to be pushback. So don't get too cozy. And yet, perhaps, this is good news for us. For when we step out of our comfort zones, we grow and we can become more true to who we were meant to be, God's beloved. So the words of Jesus ring true. Those who find their life will lose it, and those who lose their life for my sake will find it. Amen.